All right, you are listening to and watching the Holy Ruckus podcast. Josh here in your ear. And instead of watching me or listening to me mansplain pro-life woman, uh, pro-life movements from a woman perspective, I'm gonna rock it out with Destiny, who's here from New Wave Feminist. She's gonna come hang out and just talk about the pro-life movement and movements during COVID, uh, what she's been up to this week in a crazy week, usually every year during the anniversary of Roe versus Wade and where does the church or where can we as Catholics kind of fit in or maybe learn from other movements? Uh, because that's all, that's what it is. That's what it's about, man. So we're going to hang out with her, let her talk it out with us. And uh, we're excited to have her, but yeah, if you haven't already done so, go ahead and like, and subscribe this video, share it around. This conversation is uh, probably going to be one of the best ones we've had ever, even better than last week. Maybe we'll see. All right, here we go. We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. Why were you made? I was made to be happy. The way to be happy is to know truth. And to love goodness. In other words, I am made for God. Pero quiero lío en la Quiero que se salga fuera. You are now listening to the Holy Ruckus Podcast. Yo, welcome, welcome. What's up, Destiny? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks so much for being with us today on the Holy Ruckus Podcast. And I'm like, this is in terms of like people that I wanted to reach out to folks. And I was like, you know what? I'd really love to get this person on the pod, this person, like, Believe it or not, you were tops on our list. We polled everybody in our group in the Holy Ruckus. We were like, destiny's got to come. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I feel like you built it up. This might just be like the worst. Yeah. I don't know. That might be having an off day. So just everybody set your standards real low, and then you can be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. Folks, if nothing else, the Holy Ruckus has taught you to not have your expectations so high through the roof, go ahead and let's turn that, that dial and just... Just, just be surprised. Just be surprised. Whatever we give you is what we give you, folks. This is what we only got 45 minutes to an hour. And so we're going to do our best. And uh, so thanks again for folks that are unawares. And I'm going to do my best to kind of do this. Uh, last week, we did it with your, a friend of yours a couple of weeks ago, Letitia. And we were talking about like, what was it like? Like, is it fun to like, let you, you introduce yourself or should I butcher it? How do you like to be introduced? <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. I, I wrote an article recently and they asked me for a bio and I wrote it out real quick. And then all of a sudden I see the bio and it's like, Destiny Herndon De La Rosa from Dallas, Texas. She's uh, a wife and the mother to three children and da, da, da. And it was great. The only problem is I have four children. And so I assume this woman got it wrong. And I go back and I look, I sent that. So I was like, I don't know what kid pissed me off that day that they were just like cut out in that moment. So I don't trust myself with my own bios at this point. There you go. So let me let me just talk about new wave feminism, then, because I think Destiny. So you have four kids. Yes. <laughs> four kids want to make that right. And then you're rocking. Is it the blue hair or the purple hair tonight? It's purple. I've got LEDs in here, so it always looks different. There you go. There you go. And uh, how long have you been with New Wave Feminist? Are you a founder? Foundress? Yeah, founder and president. Um, you know, it's like we became an official 501c3 in 2016, but we had like a MySpace page. That's how long we've been around. And it was this just guerrilla girl gang that all of a sudden became an actual thing. And I'm like, holy crap, my time on the internet's a thing now? Like, that's weird. Dude, you're clocking in early with the MySpace. <laughs> Back when? 
I thought, I mean, do you remember Zanga? Do you remember like, no. oh my no. gosh, web journaling? The internet. I was just like AOL chat and like ASL, like that type of stuff. And then straight to MySpace after that. There you go, MySpace. And where our guy, uh, was it Tom who ran it? Tom. Tom, we miss you. All right, so let's go with a little bio here of New Wave Feminist. If you haven't heard, get get familiar, uh, newwavefeminist.com. I'm stealing this right from the page. As a pro-life feminist organization, we believe every human being should have live a life free from violence from the womb to the tomb. We unfortunately, some in the pro-life movement only focus on the unborn child, while others in the feminist movement only focus on the mother. We live at the epicenter that recognizes the full humanity of both 100% at all times. We're here to shake shit up and rebuild a culture that embodies legitimate justice for all. Write that yourself? No, I had an amazing team. My board wrote it. Like I added parts and then we're like, we have to put one shit in there. And I'm really glad you said it because now that lays the ground rules for like what's allowed on your yeah. podcast. You have a pretty sure. But he's an Irish priest, so then he probably cusses too. So I never know with you Catholics. Exactly. We're we're so hard to peg. And I think the Holy Ruckus is one of those things, depending on where you're at. Like, we don't get invited to things. <laughs> so, so and that's what we like. So when I read that bio of of uh, of yourself and then of New Wave Feminist and, and being one of your many IG followers, right, if you haven't yet, I, um, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this mission is, like, so much, like – cool girls that what i want to be in terms of like the holy ruckus in the evangelical like in the in that space for the church right to shake stuff up and to make a ruckus and it comes from uh pope francis uh he asks for the church to go out into the streets right to make un leo which is translated roughly translated into a ruckus a mess a holy mess and i was like I man Let's try that, man. Let's try to do that as best we can. So if we drop a few f bombs and s, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hurting. We're not going to put an expletive on there or uh, explicit it's, content. It's the maybe we're just in the flip the tables era of you know religiosity, and so I mean, who's to say Jesus didn't? I mean, I'm not going to say it because lightning will strike me if I say maybe he did. But who's to say he did not? That is that is my only point. I, Right. And as long as it's not geared towards somebody, I mean, no one's going to call him like a, you know, he's not calling someone else some other effort. Like I always think situation and intention has to be a part of what makes a, a, a moral act and sin, right? Like what's your intention when you're going out here dropping these bombs, but I'm not going to make a treatise on foul language, but <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm so happy to have you and uh, joining us here and father Pat's missing out because you would love him. My Irishman, he's clocking out today. So, I mean, he might show up. We'll, we'll see. Just a surprise pop-up Irish priest. I'm all for that. There you go. There you go. And I can't go any further without talking about your your backdrop, which is kicking mine all over the place. Tell me about like what you have there. What are some new additions here? I have an idea, but yeah. go ahead. So my office uh, for the last couple of years has been my office slash my daughter Eiffel's bedroom. And that worked out really well. She loved it. Let me tell you all my feminist propaganda on the walls of her bedroom. But I finally got an office space. So I just came in and decorated last week. So we've got um, this is the poster that we actually were going to be taking to the March for Life tomorrow uh, before it got canceled. And it just says migrant children have heartbeats, too, because we're really trying to draw that message in that, uh, you know, 
when it comes to the two heartbeats inside the the pregnant woman and her womb, right? And then you have these same two heartbeats across the border. And so we had an amazing artist, David Flores, who created that stencil for us. And a few months ago, we actually got to go to the border wall on the Mexico side of the border. Um, I guess you're allowed to paint whatever you want. And so we got to put this stencil up on the border with the message immigrant children have heartbeats too. Um, and then I've got some articles that I've written about pregnancy stuff. I've got my pro-life feminist sign back here from the pro-life feminist documentary I got to do a few years ago uh, with Christina Bennett and Amy Murphy. And it's it's a completely secular take on pro-life feminism. Uh, and that was really cool. And then I have got, okay, so I thought this was Mary because I'm real dumb and I'm not Catholic, but like it was a halo and I was in New York City. I saw it on the streets and it's actually on a subway map that's been graffiti. Mm. And so I was doing InstaLive one time and she was in the background. I'm like, yeah, my Mary over here. And somebody's like, hey, dummy, that's St. Philomena. And I was like, well, what? And so I look up St. Philomena. She died on my birthday, but like in 300 something um, AD. And so then I I just had all these weird St. Philomena things start happening after that. Like I can go full on like weird Catholic spooky stuff with you since you're Catholic. Oh, right. I was reading about her and they have this thing called the Philomena cord that people who kind of have a devotion to her wear this cord that's red and white. And so I was like, oh, I want to get one of those because I really like St. Philomena. She was an early virgin martyr. And I think she's the patron saint of like women or maybe sexual assault, something like that. I can't remember, but it's like good. I, I now write saint stories for the Catholic Herald um, at, from an agnostic perspective. So nice. Saints super confused. But um, Philomena was the reason that that started. And so I go to this retreat with friends. I didn't have time to pick up a Philomena cord. And a friend had actually given me this, let's see if I can reach it, it's over here. This feminist journal. She had given me some, all it says like goddess, female, like, okay. So feminist journals, which every feminist should have. Well, it was mm. wrapped in what I would call a Philomena cord. It was like the red and white cord. And so I pull it off, don't even have to cut it, twisted it on my arm, like I wear it all the time. And so, like I said, this is why people are like, you're such a crap agnostic because like you're into all this weird stuff. But I'm like, she was a badass saint from like the, you know, what would that be, fourth century. And so I, I just find her fascinating. And then through that, I had all these weird coincidences happening. And I wrote a little quick bio about St. Philomena and her life so that people would understand the backstory of why this was so weird. And then the Catholic Herald's like, do you want to write more like totally reverent, like Catholic saint stories? And I was like, I don't think you should let me do that. But like, yeah, I'll do it because you're asking Dude, me to. Catholic Herald taking risks, going fishing out here. This is awesome. Like I just read, well, I had heard of St. Philomena and for some reason her name popped up and now, okay, I'm a Catholic religion school teacher. Like, I'm a, I was a former youth minister. Like I should know these saints. And when you, when I saw the image, I didn't think Mary. I was like Saint Maria Goretti. And that, but no, Philomena. Okay, so it says here. Yeah. Thanks, Wikipedia. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah, Philomena is the patron saint of infants, babies, and youth. The uh, yeah. wow. Right. So like, I'm doing pro life work, and the saint of babies is popping into my periphery all of a sudden and stuff. So it's just kind of cool. I definitely, I used to hate those people who were like, I'm not really religious. I'm spiritual. I'm like, whatever, go back to wearing your Birkenstocks. And uh. Those people are the worst, but now I'm 100% that person because, you know, I believe in some higher power or something out there. And I just work in these coincidences and weird stuff. And I'm kind of open to the universe. And St. Philomena was definitely something that kind of popped into that. You ever get the, we'll, we'll pray for you. Like we'll, we'll pray for you. Come on, come on over. Come on. The water is good over here in the Catholic church. Mostly like, come on over at least in heaven. But so, do you ever get that? 
I, uh, yeah, all the time. And, but then also from like my LDS friends and Jehovah's Witnesses and my Muslim friends and everything. And so like, I, I go and I listen and I learn about their stuff and I see the beauty that people of faith, having some faith outside of themselves, like it tends to make people incredibly beautiful. And at this point, like if I felt called to a particular church, I would definitely go. But I also feel like, you know, I would be dividing myself off a little bit right now. And right now I'm in this really neat season where it's like, I just get to learn about other people's faiths and these really cool kind of, some of them superstitions or, or teachings, theology that they believe. And there's just a lot of beauty in that. So I, I have atheist friends who like, when they sneeze and someone says, God bless you, they're like, screw you, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, all, all the blessings, like after a, we got kicked out of the women's march or unsponsored, we were consciously uncoupled from the women's march back in 2017. And I legit mm -hmm. had who were like, we're putting hexes on you. So I don't know that I believe in any of this, but if I've got hex power coming at me, then I need like Catholic holy water coming at me too. Like I need all of it from all directions. Oh my God. That's, that's what I eventually I was going to hit you up and, and ask about that, that faithful moment where you're trying to go to the women's March. I mean, were you one of the sponsors at the time or like, yeah, we were sponsored for four days. Um, they accepted my sponsorship. Like I, I filled out the application because I kept hearing rumors that pro-life women weren't allowed and you know it was like articles were being written on this and i'm like well how do we know that has anybody actually tried and they were like oh well no but it's sponsored by planned parenthood so we know we're not allowed and i was like well i'm gonna fill it out and so i think i had like maybe a bottle of wine and then i did and i was like hey so by the way um we're definitely pro-life or anti-abortion but here are the things we agree on you know we're, we're talking about domestic abuse and um patriarchy and workforce type uh stigma and all of these different things as well and we want to be a sponsor and so they added us and i was surprised like either they didn't read it or they read it and they're like whatever but they want that money yeah well well you didn't even have to pay anything like literally i don't know i don't know why they added me dude like it also doesn't make sense to me but then um i was pleasantly surprised with it and then the atlantic was doing an article and they asked for a quote and they were like look how inclusive they're being they even allowed pro-life feminists to be there and that's when the whole internet lost its mind and women are really strong but we cannot stand up to twitter evidently and so i think that twitter came after the women's march they just like quietly removed us. And um, that's the first I heard about it was someone from Rolling Stone called me for a quote, like right after I had finished a Skype with a college. And I was just like, wait, what? Like we've been removed. And so I had made this post on our Facebook, uh, which like I'm so I'm 37. And I for me, the quintessential breakup song in high school was Boys to Men. So I dedicated a boys to men song to the women's march and I was like, hey boo, look, it's okay. We understand like not everybody can take the pressure of like what the world thinks of our our love or whatever. And it was real dumb, real, real dumb. By five o'clock that night, Megan McCain was reading it on like Fox and Friends. And a friend sent me a video and I'm like, what is my life right now? Like what is happening? And it was the coolest thing because we got to talk about, um, I think a lot of the more conservative sites wanted us to bash the women's march and we just wouldn't do it. Instead, we're like, no, they have a lot of stuff we agree with. And just like any movement, like we are kind of disruptors. We don't align with any movement 100% so we can challenge any of them. And we got to talk about our consistent life ethic. And I think it was uh, it was a pro-life message that was being presented in a way people were not familiar with. And so then more and more journalists from the right, left, center, everywhere came out and were like, all right, explain this to us. We've never heard of this before. And it was a really amazing experience. Wow. Wow. And and all that. And it, I mean, I wonder if it, I mean, I'm sure it didn't backfire on them. Maybe. But I mean, any press is good press, right? So, I mean, and we still went to the women's march. We're like, you can't, if anything, you made it more punk rock for us. Like, we are feminist. 
like rooted in rebellion, right? And so, and I think that was the cool thing too, was the number of women who came up to us at the Women's March and were like, I think it's wrong that you were kicked out of this. Like you deserve to be here just as much else and it's because they were now being told pro-life women can't be feminists and even though they're super pro-choice and like head to toe in Planned Parenthood gear they were like you can't tell me what to do like ain't no March gonna tell me I don't know whatever and so like they totally had our back and I was just like it was a very very like one of the most cool experiences of my life for sure that's what's up that's what's up and then here we are I mean that's what two years two years later or what how, how long was it four years time's not real so real. COVID times. it doesn't yeah. really yeah so where would you have been like right now like what's going on like the march is scheduled for tomorrow the virtual march now but take me through it like new wave feminist like what what happens 24 hours leading to the march where would you have been what's going on we would have yeah i mean we would have been getting ready because every year we do an alternative rally so because the rally speakers have been kind of trump administration and things like that and we're uh you know, just different. It's not to throw shade at that. Um, I do like all the time, but it's like, mostly I'm trying to be diplomatic about it. Like we want to offer a different voice, a different perspective. And so in the past, we've had speakers who are talking about, um, you know, disability issues when it comes to, to, um, fetal development and prognosis and things like that. And how it's really easy to say like, well, you know, abortions, murder, don't do this or whatever, but what does that actually look like from a systemic place of somebody with a disability who, you know, they, they don't choose abortion, but then, you know, their life is incredibly difficult. And what are we actually doing as a community to step up in that vein? Um, we've had people talk about uh, adoption and things like that. And kind of, again, getting into the ethics of that, because that's something that our movement tends to just put rainbows and butterflies on, but there's a lot more more nuance to it that we need to be discussing. So we have these speakers that come out and kind of offer really rich, fascinating um, topics that you wouldn't normally hear from the main stage at the March for Life. And so it's kind of, we are a part of the march, but we're offering a different alternative to other people. And so we've done it the last three or four years now. And, and it's sad that this year we don't get to do it. But I also think it was 100% the right call. I mean, the optics of a bunch of people being out there, a lot of whom might be of the mindset that COVID's not real and they don't need to wear masks and stuff and mm. calling for life while spreading their germies all around would have been real dumb. And I don't know if you know this, but the pro-life movement does not need any more bad PR. So I, I do, I do know this uh, from just a little that I know, but I, you also mentioned just kind of where the pro-life movement has been and what's it been associated with right or wrong for some over the last four years and, and what that's been like. And so to take a seat for a second and to not be associated and to not be there physically on the ground. Right. I think that's very smart and very wise. And, but it's, it's been tough then. Cause it's like, as a, as a pro-lifer, it's like, yes, but that doesn't mean I ride lockstep with the, the side of the aisle that, seems to think that they own this. Right. Yeah. And, and that's been the hard thing. And so over the last four years, how have, how have you guys like really made an effort to like not March with that, like, you know, the proverbial March, but to get out your message in another way and still be pro-life and probably more rock solid than, than left or right. Eh, I don't, I don't know about that. It's a wild experiment, so we'll we'll see the results eventually from it. Uh, but yeah, last year I actually carried a sign 
with a quote that said, um, it's the sexual ethics of men like Donald Trump that lead to abortion. And that was obviously not very popular. But then I also had my I'm a pro-life feminist sign in the other hand. Um, and I think we had ones with us that said, you know, taking a human life, it can never be a human right. And so it was very much a human rights type message, but also standing against the current administration a little bit. And we're a nonpartisan group, but we also call out inconsistencies when we see it. And so that that's going to be on the left, the right, the middle, everywhere. Um, and I remember people coming up to us and being like, why, why, like they thought we were protesters because I already have the purple hair, dude. And so like whenever I show up to a protest at like a Planned Parenthood or anything where they're having a rally. Um, and by the way, I don't go to the crazy ones where we like scream at women and hold up bloody fetus signs or anything, but when they're just having a rally in front of one. Uh, it's so funny because I'll always walk up and the escorts will be like, I'm so sorry about these weirdos. Like they're just out here today. Like we're so sorry, so sorry. And then I walk over and like grab the mic from the weirdos and I'm one of them. So when you have purple hair, it definitely, uh, you get stereotyped quite a bit and including at the March for Life where people assume we are there with the protesters and then they kind of like if they're passing by real quick, they'll read our other signs and then be like, wait, no, you're pro-life, but you're a Democrat, right? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm an independent. Like I'm nothing, but I call out hypocrisy. And so it's it's been weird. I think there were in the very beginning um, very few of us that were vocal about kind of being never Trumpers and saying this is not going to be good for our movement in the long run because we have spent decades now convincing people that we care about women and that we are a woman-centered movement and it's not just pro-birth and it's not just baby saver type stuff but we truly care about women and when suddenly the person in power who's claiming to be pro-life um who was pro-choice most of his life by the way but anyway like he also has said these degrading things about women I think it's it's incredibly hard to get that back and to get the the culture to believe us. And if the focus is just on overturning Roe, then they made the right call. But I don't necessarily think overturning Roe stops abortion. I think a cultural shift, you know, we always say we're not on making it illegal. We want to make it unthinkable and unnecessary. We want to support women so well. We want to humanize the unborn child so well. And so I think a lot of people kind of sold their souls for Supreme Court justices and like, we're going to overturn it. Well, that just goes back to the states. If Roe gets overturned, that's all that happens. And you're going to have more liberal states uh, that maybe even have really extreme uh, lack of restrictions. And it doesn't necessarily get rid of the problem. Um, We have a couple chapters in South America where abortion has been illegal. And unfortunately, the latest one in Buenos Aires, they've they've just legalized. But um, whether it's legal or illegal, our work is the exact same. It's helping women. It's making sure that it's there. It is truly possible for them to choose life. And so I think for us, um, we got I always joke that we were when when we came out as kind of never Trump early, early on before he even got the nomination we were like the black sheep. And then at one point I voted for a pro-choice Democrat, which I'd never done in my life. I was a good pro-lifer, always voted straight Republican pro-life, but he was talking about the infant maternal mortality rate among women of color and um, veteran suicides and mental health care and all these things that I actually thought would lead more to a culture of life. And so I wrote a whole op-ed about it. And that's when we went from being the black sheep to being straight blacklisted. And I think like, but just like with the women's, like, I feel like we've kind of been kicked out of everything. So we have to make our own movement that's kind of different. But we still go, we still participate, we still have a lot of people um, 
who are drawn to this message and the only way they're going to call themselves pro-life is if they have a group like us and so i think the hope is that feminists see that that the only people who are going to call them feminists themselves feminists is because they can be a part of something like new wave feminists and the only people who are going to call themselves pro-life is because they can be a something part of something like new wave feminists so we're actually broadening the amount of people we have on our side like it will benefit them in the long run if they can get over how much they hate us most of the time <laughs> totally totally that that just resonates hard i want to just like snap my fingers or say amen because I think that's true. And and what I got out of what you said was that it, it has to be a culture change, but like to make it unthinkable also has to be a conversion of the heart as well from a faith perspective. Like that's what it's got to be too. And it's not just, okay, I'll pray for you, but no, I have to actually like walk with you and we have to make it unthinkable. And so when I hear that, I'm like, and I was talking to my wife about this, I was like, man, you know, if one administration in a week can undo all those executive orders that were done and every everything in terms of uh, Supreme Court justices and all this other stuff, like if that can just be undone in a week, like how authentically pro-life were we and, and how long lasting is this? Like, no, we got to make it unthinkable, like you're saying. And so the work is never done, right, to to humanize this this marginalized group. It's It's never done. And I think just keep keep pulling that thread, like asking those questions, because that for me was like the undoing of an even bigger thing where I realized that this is politics, like they're playing politics. With us. They know that pro-life voters, this is like the most vulnerable human beings in the human family are the unborn child. And so as long as they can keep that an issue, they will continue getting votes. Could you imagine tomorrow if abortion was no longer an issue, like what that would do to our political system? And so you start looking and saying, okay, these people call themselves pro-life and they're talking about pro-life bills or passing, like trying to pass extreme bills that would never actually pass, but they get lip service, they get to say they're pro-life, but they didn't actually help any women or save any children what was that about and once you start kind of going down that that rabbit trail you start realizing a lot of it's about staying in power and you need this huge polarizing thing to stay in power and so that's when i really pulled back from the politics of all of it and it became like we have to save ourselves like it's not going to be up to a government like it has to be us doing it It has to be communities of faith it has to be uh local charities it has to be things like that that have the time and energy to walk with a woman and do it well Right. Absolutely. It's not going to be these big sweeping declarations or things on a macro scale. It's going to be in the micro with your neighbors and with your, you know, your county and your governments and your churches. Like that's what needs. I mean, that's what I think, like for sure, like what you're saying, and it has to be on, on the small level. Otherwise this, this big, big stuff isn't going to hold. It's not going to hold for long. And well, we're seeing that. Yeah, I think it's a great thing also for people to keep in mind who were supposed to be going to D.C. tomorrow and probably spent money on hotels and flights and all these other things. And marching's great. You feel like it reignites this fire in you to keep going and you network and you build community and you're with other like minded people people, but like marching doesn't necessarily save babies. Like it a lot of times it brings awareness to our cause and shows people that, that we're out here. But for us to actually do something that helps someone in our community, like use the money we're gonna spend on a hotel or these flights, like to go out and help a local mom. You know, when we talk about the infant maternal mortality rate among women of color, a lot of times it's because the first time they see a doctor is when they are in labor. They might go for their anatomy scan, but um, a lot of times it can have to do with them just not having transportation or if you're working an hourly job um, and you have to, to take a full day off to go to a doctor's appointment and stuff because you have to take a bus or two buses across town all these like there are so many ways when we start getting creative to actually like 
truly help people in our communities. And I think that that's where everyone's focus should kind of be, um, you know, people dealing with COVID, struggling to, to pay their rent. You know, we have had so many moms reach out to us in the last few months who it's like, could you help me get new tires? Because I've got to do Uber Eats to make ends meet. And, you know, we need help with this or, you know, keeping my phone on or something like that. And they're not abortion vulnerable. They're Maybe they're not even pregnant, but they're women that we worked with when they were pregnant. And so now we've built mm. this relationship with them. And as pro-lifers, I think we have to walk with them their whole life. Like it's a, it's a continual thing to keep um, working with these women and helping them where we can. And if our tiny little group can do it, communities can do it. Uh, we've seen a ton of people from faith communities who have helped us when we've gone down to Juarez. We do work down there with a shelter of women who... Uh, have experienced sexual violence and a lot of them have become pregnant because of it. And so they're waiting on asylum and they don't even have maternity clothes, you know, or the clothes that they were traveling in are falling apart. And so being able to um, even just do a donation drive of the moms in your neighborhood. Hey, do you guys have any maternity clothes that you're not using or toddler clothes or whatever that your kids have outgrown and you're not having more kids? Like, well, y'all are Catholic. You're always having more kids. But if for some reason you're totally done having kids, then like send us all that stuff. Like let us take it down to the border to people who need it. Like there are so many things that you don't have to run an organization to get them done. You just have to know two or three people and you can do huge, huge pro-life efforts. There you go. Like, and, and so, wow, you guys make it all the way out to the border to, to go and, and do all that. So you, you develop these longstanding relationships with the people that you helped at one point and the work still goes because you're still walking with them. That's amazing. Yeah. We, we genuinely love the woman. So it's not just once the child's out of the womb, okay, you're safe. Uh, we had one friend of mine when the racial justice stuff was going on over the summer and she made this great point that if we save a child in the womb, but then they get killed in the streets, like that's not pro-life. And so it's mm. true something where we have to be caring about all life and showing up and putting in the time and talents and funding and everything else to do that. Um, and we're, we're a pretty small group, but it's been really cool that people have trusted us. Like I can't be out doing this, but you know, I can, I can make calls and find resources in this area to help women and help you guys help women in my area. Or, you know, I can, I can do this or that. Like we've just had so many people who, um, this weird little lady gang that started on MySpace. like all of a sudden we're like, doing real shit, dude. And it's kind of phenomenal. And I'm honored to get to be a part of it. There you go. There you go. And then, so back to the inception on MySpace, how did you start? Who did you start it with? How did it, how did it begin? Um, so there was this billboard in my town for like a local restaurant. Right. And not, it was more than just like a Hooters type billboard. It was these women. Wait, 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 wait. What'd you call it? A restaurant. So they're heard. like trying to sell chicken. Oh, it's a, th it's a thing on the internet, but they're trying to sell chicken wings and like together and like coming our chicken wings. And my son at the time was five years old and he's like, that's not okay. And I was like, that's not okay. Like, why are we having to look at this? Like, this is just, women are not decorations. This is really degrading. It's not okay. And I guess I was bored. I don't know what my deal was, but like, so I went and spoke to city council about it. I wrote a letter to the company, like all this stuff. And um, and I had two friends with me at the time. And so I was going to sign our names and it was like, Destiny, Kathy, Christie. And I'm like, that doesn't sound hard or intimidating at all. So I was like, we should, we should say like a 
feminist thing. Like we're, we should be like a feminist group. And it was literally like I was writing a screenplay and I needed like a fake feminist organization. So I was like, what about like new wave feminists? Yeah, that sounds like a thing. So like I sign it. And then two weeks later, the billboard gets modified and I am immediately drunk with power. And I'm like, what else can we change? Like what, what more patriarchy can we smash? Like it was amazing. And then the more that we started kind of doing projects like this, I realized oh, the actual feminists, like, they're not really down with the whole pro-life thing. And I got, uh, my mom got pregnant with me at 19 when she was at the University of Texas and would have been very easy. Austin's a real liberal college town, would have been very easy for her to choose abortion for me. And uh, I think a lot of people would have thought that was a responsible choice, but she didn't. And, you know, we had hardships because of it. I'm still glad I'm here. So all these arguments that I hear used for abortion, like there are reasons why I shouldn't be alive. And so it's always been very personal to me. And I think I've always been, you know, equal parts pro-life and feminist. And then when I was 16 years old, um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, because I have a 20 year old now who's phenomenal and I love him and he's the best thing that ever happened. But I ended up repeating that cycle and found myself in a crisis pregnancy. So suddenly it had to go from you know, this is a mental belief, like a mind thing to like a heart thing. Like, and am I actually going to live this out and choose life for this child? And I did. Now he's 20 and he's in school to become a firefighter. And like I said, he's the best person. And he, he saved me in so many ways. But because of that, being on both sides of this, being both the unborn child and the woman experiencing crisis, and it's very real crisis. Like, even though I wasn't going to choose abortion, like, I remember wanting to rip, you know, my womb off my body, run away from it. I was terrified. Um, I know that for me, the only reason I could choose life is because I had support systems and family around that was like loving me well and being the calm in the storm of this fear and panic I was having. And I also realized that a lot of my peers didn't have that. And so they they felt they had no choice but abortion. And so when I hear people say it's pro-choice, I'm like, it's not for a lot of women, for the boyfriend who's going to beat them up if they have the baby or the parents who are going to kick them out. And so I knew that that was going to be, um, I, it was going to be a hard sell for me. Like, as a feminist, I'm pro-life and it just is what it is. But then I was also like, well, I mean, why can't we make that a thing? Because again, I was real naive and like anybody can have a MySpace page. So like I just set it up and then it started growing from there. And then we moved over to Facebook. That was a big break. So you know, Tom was okay, but Zuck really brought a lot more people to us. And all of a sudden we were like bigger and bigger. And then when the women's March happened, um, we doubled in size like overnight. So now we're getting close to 50,000. Every time we get close, my board jokes about this. I'll post something slightly controversial and then we drop like, so, so they're like, Oh crap. What are you about to say? Cause we're real close to 50,000 right now. Like you gotta, you gotta piss some of these people off. Like we want small, but mighty, which is really important to us. It's so funny. It's like, it's like, how real are you? Let's see if you're still on the boat after I say this and you just launch it. And yeah, whoever's the real will, will, will stay there. So that's cool. That's what's up. And do, is, uh, and obviously, so, so when I started the Holy Ruckus and wanting to make that ruckus in the church and kind of go a different way, but still be Orthodox and still, or still strive for Orthodoxy, I wanted to get people around me that didn't think like I did. I knew I was crazy, unorganized and a hot mess at times. And I was like, I need, I need people that don't think like we think, but we, but we don't think like me and that's fine. And, and everything from methodology to execution to how they do things. I wanted people around me. So who are the people like around you that helped? I mean, cause new wave feminist doesn't just, you know, lie on you. Right. I mean, neither does the Holy ruckus on me. You need the help. Who are the people that kind of build yeah. you up and help? I have an amazing team of um, my board members. I used to be able to say women, but then we added a, a dude, whatever that's, oh. we needed some 
Christianity. So we have a dude on there now, but um, they're phenomenal women and they do, they have different lived experiences, whether it's, you know, um, their lived experience as a woman of color or, you know, uh, one of them's in the military. Uh, we have a birth mom, um, you know, people who've kind of been through some stuff and can point to it and say, the pro-life movement says this, but like, this is where I don't see a consistency or this is what I think we should do about it. And I think a lot of times, like when we have these little things inside of us that are like, Eh, I disagree with that, but everybody's saying it. So I have to go along with it. Right. And you kind of like have this thing you have to do. And yet I found this, this group of women who were like, I'm not going along with that shit. Like I agree with 99% of what you're doing, but I don't agree with this. And so we need to talk about adoption in a new way, or we need to do whatever. And once you start seeing that and you have other people who are around who are like fascinated by that, like where you, um, diverge from, from the normal talking points that we've all just kind of assumed or what we should do. Uh, and, I think that's the beauty because then you find community of other people who are like, yeah, that is wrong. This is a place that needs work. This is a place we can change. Um, and one of our board members, we call her Kay, but she's the one who actually runs the shelter down in Mora's. And so, you know, she's made so many beautiful connections between like pro-life work and why we should be caring for migrants. And uh, even if you only care about the child inside the womb, pregnant migrants are not being treated well down there. And there's some really horrible injustices that are happening. And you need to humanize that. You need to put a face in a story with these things. So it's not just migrants. It's not just this group of others, right? But it's actual human beings. And I've found that people, um, some of our border initiatives, we've invited others in to help us with them. And we've got Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, like American Solidarity Party, Independents, like all these different things, because our method has always been, this is about people, not politics. And so how do we invite you in to help people? And I think in a lot of ways, that's especially for people who believe in Jesus, right? Like that is your Jesus was all about that, just getting down and helping people with it. And so I do think we have a very diverse following. We have the atheists and agnostics and, you know, secular side, but we have a lot of um, Catholics and Protestants and uh, Muslims and everything else, because again, they, they all have this common belief of like, we're supposed to be serving others. We're supposed to be doing something for, for some, somebody outside of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's a, it's a beacon, man. It's a beacon of hope. And it's like, go swim to it. And if someone's already doing the work, back them, support them monetarily, pray for them and reach out or volunteer your time. Sometimes you're, maybe you don't have the ducats or you don't got the treasure, but you have the time to put into, to be, you know, join a street team. I don't know if street teams or street teams are still a thing. They were in the punk rock world, but, um, cool. What's it like in the pro-life movement? Like, and, and I have my things too, but at least for, for the church, the inconsistencies in the pro-life movement when it comes to talking about, you know, that I've heard someone say like, well, I don't believe that the immigrant issue is a pro-life issue. I don't know why it gets lumped there. I don't know why, um, you know, capital punishment isn't talked about more in, in pro-life issues. Why is it so, uh, it's, it's leftist to be this way and it's right. Like, what's that like? What's that like? And, and cause you preach a consistent, holistic view of pro-life issues. And I agree with you, but some folks I, on my side of the aisle don't. I think it's really simple. I think if you're saying, why aren't pro-lifers talking about this and you're pro-life, talk about it. Like, talk about it. That means your voice is supposed to be going to that. Like, if you feel called to that specific thing, like, talk about it. I have found that um, the more that we talk about other issues, the more people who are pro-choice are willing to listen to us talk about the abortion issue and see these kind of overlapping, like, dehumanizations in all of these different um, systems, right? And so they 
they challenge us all the time. Like, well, if, if you're so pro-life, like, why aren't you working at the border? Why aren't you, you know, doing all these other things? And, um, I went from being defensive about that. Like I'm only one person with a MySpace. I only, I only have so much time to, um, you know, that's a really good point. And I have some more time now and I've got, you know, this cool army of people behind me. Like, let's, let's do that. That's a good thing. And so I, rather than being defensive, I took it as a call to action. And so it kind of organically happened where we got to do these really cool projects. And like you said, find someone who's out there doing it. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We're not all supposed to save the whole world because I think we will get burned out, but find other groups that are doing it and promote them and get behind them. And if you have whatever the thing is outside of just um, the abortion issue, that you're passionate about, I promise you, the more that you start talking about that issue as well as abortion, the more people will take you seriously because it's that old adage that people uh, care what you know when they know that you care. So when they think this is just some religious thing or some political thing that you're pushing on them, like they don't see your true heart. But when you say, no, it's part of, it's part of this bigger thing. See, and the reason, you know, I care about animal cruelty or the preschool to prison pipeline or whatever the other thing is, is kind of the same reason that I care about the human being because I care about vulnerable populations and marginalized groups, whatever that is. And um, I've just found that rather than it watering down the pro-life message, it's really elevated all of them. And it's for a lot of people, it has this aha moment. And that's what we have always said, that we want to cause a, con uh, a, a shift in consciousness, like about all of this, like we need a global shift in consciousness when it comes down to these things are so intertwined. And so if we're not kind of at least looking at all of them, aware of all of them, then, you know, just telling a woman, keep your legs closed or don't have an abortion or whatever other stupid thing. Stop saying that on the internet, by the way, if you do, don't do that. But if you're one of those people who says it, like look into all these other things that we have you know, porn culture is is a really big, I think, patriarchal thing in our society. And it's weird because you see some feminists who are actually promoting it. And, you know, yet these are the very same things that tend to objectify women in a lot of ways. And so if a woman has been objectified for years and just sees herself as a sex object, and that is the only thing of value to her, and odds are she is going to end up pregnant. I know for me that that was, that was definitely my story at 16. And when you feel that broken, um, you almost feel like it would be a merciful choice not to bring this child into the world because who are you to be their mom, you know? And you don't feel enough to be able to do things for other people, right? And so you start just tying together all these um, systems and you start to see how they're all really interconnected. And so if I, you know, am helping a young woman with mentorship or education or, you know, all of these other things, like that's something that could actually help her in the long run when she's at a place, if she is facing a crisis pregnancy to feel like, no, I'm valuable, I'm worthy. Like I, this is something that I can do. Right. Um, and I just, I think there's so many things, whatever your niche is. I joke all the time that we need like a pro-life aptitude test because I don't think anybody should sit out. Like even the crazy people that I can't stand this, I'm like being real, real honest. Like the people with the bullhorns who are like screaming at women and have the signs and they're dressed as the grim reaper and like, just, you're probably a theater major and like, that's cool. I get it. You're bored. You missed the stage. But like, I think those people, if you're super passionate, like you should be the one riling the troops and rallying up the crowds. Like that's where you belong. Like don't tamper down that passion because it makes you such a weirdo in front of the clinic, which it does. But like then the people who should be in front of the clinic are the ones who have like the patience of saints, you know, and can sit and just um, not judge a woman and love her endlessly and, and unconditionally and take her to get whatever she needs and help her and walk with her, right? Like, there are all these things that I think 
we see some cool position in the pro-life movement and we're like, oh, I should do that thing. Like, that looks fun. Well, guess what? Maybe that's not your thing. Like, maybe you're not actually good at that thing, but you're good at something. And whatever thing you're good at, like, there is absolutely a place for you in this movement. There you go. You mentioned the crazies and God bless the crazies. I won't pour some out for them, but I want to give them a little bit of time because I wasn't one of the cool. Oh, I feel like you were. Oh my like God. I was like, no, Des, I, it wasn't me. I was, I was indoctrinated into it at a young age. I was told that to support the pro-life movement, like this is a thing. And it was my youth minister at the time, man. And she was like, yo, come on this thing called the, Face the Truth Tour or whatever. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, maybe you have. And I was like, okay, sure. And I'm in, I'm in high school, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, and this girl's going, and my homie's going. I'm like, all right, cool. What do I gotta do? All right, do you have a rosary? Yeah. Do you have like comfortable running shoes, walking shoes? Like, yeah. All right, then you're good to go. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, yelling at. Uh, I didn't know at the time. I was like, who's Nancy Pelosi? Why are we in her office? And <laughs> who is Norma McCorvey? Are you part of the insurgency? Like, is that where this I was a part of, I don't know. Is it Randall Terry and those guys? Oh. I like, he led the group and it was a bunch of Catholics, a bunch of Protestants. And, and he, and it was, and so this is where, but my mind was going. And I was always, always like, yeah, I'm pro-life, but like, this is something else. Like I, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is like, we're target, like we're racial profiling. We're like, we're using like the fact that I'm Hispanic or that I'm a minority. And they're like, here, give this minority pamphlet to, to this, this black mother or give it to Latino. You're Latino, right? Won't you go talk? And it was like, it just felt like there was no tact. And it was just, we just got to be louder and we just got to be bolder and we just got to face the truth. And God bless anybody who's ever listened to this. And maybe, you know, you're going to catch feelings here, but I just felt like the 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 shock therapy of, of what this was. I was like, this isn't going to win souls for Jesus, and it's not going to win this argument, or which shouldn't be reduced to that. But it it becoming that, you yeah. know. And I had the I had the images right of of the aborted uh, babies, and I was like, even holding, I was like, yeah. And and so years later, me and my wife, we 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 cringe and we laugh. She's like, you were a part of that, and I was like. Yeah, and and it only recently came up because uh, uh, the Roe v. Wade documentary on Norman McCorvey came out on FX, and it didn't really. I don't. I don't know if it made waves like that. I don't think it was poor, it was well done or anything. But um, that one of the pictures of her in Nancy Pelosi's office. I'm right behind her. I'm like smack dab, and it was all over like the Dallas Morning, whatever the newspaper is. I'm on that cover, and I didn't tell nobody until somebody put me out there on Facebook, like this is you, Josh, and I was like, oh fuck. Like, you know, and, and sure enough, I haven't repeated it because I'm trying to stay away from social media these days, but you know, what? know. You, here's the deal. I'm going to make you feel better. We were all, weird. we were all weird. It's, it's part of our journey to be weird. <laughs> um, so one of my first bouts of activism, I was 16 years old. Or I guess maybe I was 17. I just had my son and I was like super pro-life in that moment. And I was just really mad about abortion and I had access to crafting supplies and that's always a bad combination. And so I got this canvas out and I remember um, I had told this story to friends for a really long time, by the way, having no clue my mom kept this. And I found it one night and was like, holy crap, like this is, this is the thing that nobody believed I actually did. But there was a student art show happening. So there were all these easels up around, um, 
our high school and somebody had taken theirs home. So there was an empty easel and I'm like, this is my moment for some guerrilla activism. So I go home and I get my red paint out and I have like a latex glove holding like birth control pills with like blood. Like, here's the deal. I'm not even Catholic. I didn't even have a problem with birth control. So I don't know why that was on there other than just to be like Planned Parenthood or something. I don't know what I was thinking. And then definitely had a bloody fetus sign. And then I cut out letters like an effing ransom note because that's art. And I was like, more children die every day from abortion than those who died in the World Trade Center, which was relatively new. It had happened, like still raw, happened a year before. Why did I feel the need to compare? Like, I don't know. Same way people are always like Holocaust and they stop, stop. Just like, let this be its own thing. Let that be its own tragedy. It's sad. Um, but so I make this huge canvas and then I just like walk into school like I'm I don't know, James Bond. And I just like slip it under my bag and like put it on the easel. And then I just peace out. My name's not on it, nothing. And at one point in the afternoon, I walked down and I saw like a group of teachers and students standing around it. Like, what is this? Like, why did this happen? Nobody gave this permission, but they left it. And then by the end of the week, I wanted it back because I'm like, this is art. So I went by and like snuck it out and like left with it. Um, I was so weird. We're all so weird. And so- You frame I it? You still have it? No, yeah, I mean, no, I still have it. It's at my mom's house. But I always tell people now, like, when I speak at colleges, I'm like, if you're weird, dude, like, go with that. Lean into the weird. Just put, like, a Planned Parenthood, like, button on you or something. Like, just do some recon for the other side by being super weird and making people think that you're pro-choice. Like, we'll, we'll take it. Like, I said, we can use whatever crazy you have. We're fine with it. <laughs> there you go. I do feel better. I think you made that work for me. But a lot of healing, a lot of prayer. Um, but... Yeah. So a lot of grace though, after the fact and just seeing like authentic pro-life witness and, and I put you in there and I put you in there and I was like, oh man, where were you guys at? Well, maybe MySpace was around, but I didn't find you. I didn't find the grass grassroots movement. I didn't yep. see you on, on MySpace. That was a huge impetus to us becoming an officially like pro-life feminist group, not just feminists, but we wanted to be pro-life activists in that as well, was Operation Rescue. Because I grew up kind of seeing this and being like, there has to be a better way than like mostly white dudes screaming through bullhorns at women's faces like it's just it's not not a good look and um especially when you realize that like you're making the abortion clinic look like a safe haven you're making them look like the same compassionate ones and we look like wackos and so i think at the end of the day it's about working smarter not harder and planned parenthood's not doing the same tactics they did in the 70s you know like they've evolved they have you know money for marketing of course like blood money and so they're able to do focus groups and say what words are resonating with people what things are interesting and we don't have that money, but we do have the ability to check out their websites and look at all their stuff and say, okay, like how, how are they getting people? What's the language they're using? Like, what are the graphics, the type of things they're using? And, um, and then I think we can kind of adopt some of that stuff and say like, this is how we need to be getting the message out as well. And guess what? It's not bullhorns. It's just not, it's, I don't know. I have, a, I actually have a bullhorn right behind me as I'm saying that, but, um, it's kind of a picture. Uh, I use it for recreational stuff, not for yeah. screen. And so it's all good. Of course, of course. Is is there who has been like a, a coworker, like on the side, who has been with you guys? Uh, that's not New Way Feminist, an organization or a religious group that you were surprised that like bought in and it, and is working alongside you, or some that you even follow that maybe some of our listeners and viewers like can actually vibe with and follow because that's always good to see like just different you know methods and and how like anybody that you really want to recommend right now. Yeah, so I would say um, there's kind of a core group with the Consistent Life Ethic Network, um, Secular Pro-Life, Free Humanize International, Abide Women's Healthcare. Those are all ones who are kind of on the same um, wavelength as us. But then 
there's also, as far as Catholic groups, like Notre Dame does some really cool stuff. Um, and I'm going to butcher it because you put me on the spot, but I want to say it's like the Justice and Something Institute or whatever. And they do it every summer mm -hmm. and they train you up, they talk to you um, about like the science of all these things. And if you're like me and you'd rather watch TikTok videos than go to college, like it is kind of boring. Like your eyes glaze over because you're like, this is too much information. But I was shocked that when I left that, I was actually full of so much like uh, fertility information, things like that, uh, especially because growing up Protestant, we, oh, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to do it. So like when we would see Catholic families with 12 kids, my mom's always like, oh, it's because they do the rhythm. Like, it was like, you guys were bad at birth control. And now that I'm in these Catholic kind of communities, I'm like, no, it's because they're trying to build armies to take over the world. Like, this is this is planned. Like, this is planned having 12 children type stuff. And so I was on a flight with uh, Lauren Musiker from Sidewalk Advocates for Life, which they are a group out on the sidewalk that's doing it right. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure she loved, I should not have said her name. I didn't say her name uh, because the story's gross. But so we're on an airplane and it's like a red eye flight at like 5 a.m. And she she goes, hey, what time is it? And I was like, oh, I think it's like six o'clock. She goes, I've got to go check my mucus. I'll be right back. And I was like, what? Like, you're not allowed to do that on a plane. Like, what? That's just what are you talking about? So she comes back and I'm like, explain everything you just said to me. And she's like, well, I do, you know, this natural family planning or like fertility awareness and you take your temperature and you check your mucus and you do all these. I am at this point, 31 years old, have been running a feminist group for at least a decade. And I had no clue that this was a possibility because in my world, like if you don't want to have a baby, you get on birth control. I didn't realize like the ancient wisdom and science, the fact of like women understanding their bodies. And honestly, I was kind of pissed. Like, why wasn't this taught to me in school about like my reproductive organs? Because not even just for pregnancy planning or prevention, but for my overall health, it would be good for me to understand my body. And like, again, I'm a feminist. Like, why is this not common knowledge? Um, for those of us, who, who have these reproductive organs and tracking our fertility. And when we start thinking even, and I'm not, again, I'm not anti-birth control, but when we start thinking about the fertility, do you know how long women are fertile each month? I should know this, but I have five kids in seven years. I'm not going to speak. So, <laughs> and they're fertile enough. Uh, so they're only fertile four to six days on average for like a normal, typical, like healthy cycle, four to six days. Do you know how often you're fertile in a month? Anytime's a good time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, exactly. So, but the onus of suppressing fertility is constantly put on women that we're supposed to, you know, take these chemicals and get these shots and have these implants and stuff. And like, it's kind of bullshit. Like, it's something where it's like, if we actually understood our bodies and work together, and that's what I think is really beautiful about fertility awareness is when you have couples that can come together and say, like, this is both of our responsibility. We should both care about this. And that is why, by the way, I was telling you before we started that people are like, you're a better Catholic than most Catholics. It's it's because I say stuff like that, but it's because y'all have some genius shit going on when it comes to women's bodies and understanding them. And doctors, not just, you know, a woman comes in and says, I, I'm having pain and maybe she has endometriosis or something. And a lot of doctors are just going to put her on birth control as a Band-Aid and send her out the door. But, you know, NAPRO doctors, Catholic doctors who don't have that option are actually really advancing uh, medical science when it comes to treating women's bodies holistically. And it's kind of badass. For sure. And you think with all this, you know, wisdom that comes down in Catholic churches and NFP classes, you think I'd be good at that joint. You know, let me tell you, I mean, it's all good. Everybody was planned except for one, but it's you all good. Starter set. I mean, five, like, do you even have kids yet? Like, 
There you go, man. Uh, one last thing, you'd mentioned something. I'm going to press a little bit. I want to get your opinion on it. You, you'd mentioned birth control that you weren't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you weren't against it. Um, can you talk on that and how in the holistic view of of everything you're doing with, with pro-life movement and how that's not in there, how that's not included? Oh yeah, this should be also yeah. not non-negotiable. Because I was like, there was a danger that a lot of your followers were going to start following me. So we need to like- Let them know. Make sure. Uh, so it's not that I'm for it. It's that I think when women know better, they do better. And so empowering them with information and having um, knowledge about how it works and what it does. And if some women still decide that that's what they need to do, because maybe they can't chart or do these other things, or uh, there's something about their cycle that is abnormal, I would much rather them have some sort of preventative measure um, that would would stop a potential abortion at some point, right? Like if she becomes pregnant and, and has an abortion. And I know that there are a lot of pro-lifers who believe that birth control only works as an abortifacient. Um, right. They have to dig into the science of how birth control works because the main, the main function of birth control is to stop ovulation. So if it uh, is working properly, it's being taken at the same time and um, the woman's living responsibly, like it will stop ovulation. So you will not even have conception taking place. The problem is if we have people who are kind of taking it at wonky times, things like that, breakthrough ovulation can happen. And then of course, the secondary effect is it creates an inhospitable womb. And that means that implantations or uh, conceptions happen, but implantation can't happen. And a lot of people, that is what they would definitely consider. Like now it's working as an abortifacient, but I think we have to and that's of, what the hangup would be. Right, right, right. And I think we have to step back and realize there's actually a lot of things that lead to an inhospitable womb. So um, it can be poor diet, alcohol, drug use, any of these other things. And so if you have a woman who is sexually active on birth control, um, the odds of her even conceiving to begin with are going to be much smaller than a woman who's on who's not on birth control, sexually active, and maybe making riskier choices that would then lead to actually more sloughing off. And so I feel like then we get into this place where we're saying any woman who's sexually active needs to be at peak health and constantly open to life and all that. And like, that's not really a reality and not something that can be enforced in any way. Um, cause thankfully it's not like handmaid's tale. So I think like there's a lot of ways where we have to look back and say, um, how do we educate women with the way that it works? And so that they even understand the importance of it. And then also the ones who, um, you know, are pro-life understand, uh, how, how it could potentially work as an abortifacient, but also how other lifestyle things could be working as an abortifacient. And so I am at the point where I still think that women should have access to it, but access with a ton of knowledge and ton of information, and especially the information I didn't get till my 30s about organic, like natural alternatives as well. Because I mean, I think maybe you guys have been holding on to that secret for a while and uh, like, we didn't know about it. And there's a lot of people who have no clue about it church we're bad marketers we're bad, we're bad marketers and we're slow we're slow as anything slow as af man so you know bear with us here but okay hot take city all right all right i like it um let's go with this last thing what would you tell it besides besides the don't hold out on us what would you say to the catholics that man we're not going to be able to freeze our asses off and we're not going to be able to hashtag i stand for life like Looks like we get to sit home tonight. Like we get to, I won't be cold. I won't have to have the hand warmers. Bet. Okay. I'll, I'll repost your picture. Like, can you speak to that? Like the, to the, to maybe the pro-lifers that are like, oh, it looks like I'm on the bench tonight. Like I don't have to do anything. Like what else can we do? Uh, no, you, and, and this whole I, conversation, you've said something. 
but yeah, yeah. You have to do something tomorrow. It's your holy pro-life day of obligation or whatever you Catholics do. Like tomorrow you have to do something pro-life. So figure out what that looks like. Take a picture if you want. Hashtag it. You can still be on the internet somewhere. It still counts. Like it it wasn't a tree that fell with no one around. Like people will still know about it. Like I don't care if you need credit for it, but get out there and do something pro-life. And, you know, if you have a family in your neighborhood who has a child with disabilities, like think how you can serve them. Take them groceries. Go babysit so that they can, you know, there are so many different things. Um, there's a great student group at Texas A&M University, and they have got, and, and Notre Dame is another one, where they've just got this list, you know, that is their pro-life work that they do. Here's all the places you can volunteer, because I think in the movement we think, oh, you got to go to a pregnancy center, and that's like a two-year commitment every Tuesday and Thursday for like the rest of your life. Like, no, it's serving at nursing homes. I guess we can't do that now because of COVID, but put together, um, you know, packets of something for homeless people, right? People who, who have housing insecurity right now, like get together with a group. Everything's COVID, un-COVID friendly. Ignore everything. <laughs> Go sit by yourself. Go to Costco by yourself. Buy a big thing of granola bars and, you know, wet wipes and things like that. Like put together. And eat them. Yeah. You can get out with the people in your community. Like, Oh, no. We lost her. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been rocking with the Holy Workers Podcast. Sometimes Wi-Fi issues happen and we just lost Destiny. So we got to get her back. But if you have any questions at all, please let them in. We're, we're landing right now. We're about to end the podcast. But if you have questions right this moment for Des as we are finishing up the pod, please do so. Please bring it in because we do want to uh, get your voice out there. But like she was saying, do bring out these times. Like tomorrow is not just your day off from the March for Life. Find a virtual March for Life. A lot of dioceses are, are doing something. They're holding a mass, a prayer service, something. Get in there. You know, faith and works. Give it, right? Pray to your Lord and then act on it, man. Act on it. Try to find a way to reach out to those um, that are in need, right? You don't need to just come to DC in order to March for Life. That raises awareness, but put some actual deeds behind that awareness, behind that hashtag, right? So what the Holy Ruckus is going to do is we're going to actually uh, devote tomorrow to that, right? Uh, we're going to give you some uh, memes to share, some posts to share and reshare and all that. But also we're going to follow along uh, one some of our friends and contributors of the Holy Ruckus who blog for us, uh, Annie McHugh, who has been is going to do a life chain. We're going to find out what that's about uh, at her parish. And so we're so excited to do that. But uh, yeah, and before we go, we definitely want to say, as we're trying to get Des back on, Destiny back on here, um, if you haven't yet considered it, please do consider giving. Consider giving uh, to the Holy Ruckus. If you prayerfully discern that this is a ministry that you want to support, you like conversations like these, you like podcasts like we have, please do. All right, so without further ado, let me go ahead and play this. We'll get Destiny back on here. In World Youth Day in Rio, uh, Pope Francis asked for the church to go out and to evangelize. Well, that the Holy Ruckus, we're trying to do that.
All right, we are back. We are back. So again, prayerfully consider, man, prayerfully consider giving if the Lord has blessed you with $3, $7, whatever you want. And it helps keep us going, man. It helps us reach out to more and more folks and to evangelize and to bring that ruckus. And yeah, we got a new website that we're dropping as well on the first on the first week of Lent. While everybody's dropping communication, we're going to be highlighting some. Our new website's going to roll out. Also, we have a Stations of the Cross project that we are also working with. So if you haven't yet already done so, please do consider www.patreon.com. Consider being a patron slash the Holy Ruckus underscore give if you haven't already done so. And of course, for more podcasts, videos, and blogs, hit up theholyruckus.com. All right, guys. Hey, sometimes tech. You can't you can't fade it. Sometimes things just happen and you just got to roll with it. You've been rocking with the best, the Holy Ruckus Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, for watching. And that's it. That's our conversation. We're going to cut this up and repost it. And so you'll have it. But again, thanks so much, Destiny, for being with us and rocking with us. It was awesome. This was one of the one of the ones on the on the hit list that I was like, I want to do a podcast with Destiny. So I'm so glad we were able to have her. And uh, yeah. Anyway, you got any tips, any suggestions of future guests that you want to see on the Holy Ruckus? Who's making a ruckus right now in the church? Who's out there doing some beautiful things for the Lord that you think needs some airtime? Let us know, www.theholyruckus.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see you later and we'll pray for Destiny and her internet connection and also the ministry that she's got going on. And we'll call it a ministry because, man, she's doing part of the Lord's work here and reaching out for a more holistic view of of the pro-life movement right and uh we we had we heard some things some things that we like some things that you know that we're challenged to think about right and it, and if you're listening and you're like oh i don't agree with her on this right find the things that we can agree about and move from that right try to move on that and act on that all right folks thanks so much and uh prayerfully consider again uh following destiny and the holy ruckus thanks so much for watching and listening We'll see you later.